So, couple things. I am unafraid to talk about the subject at hand today, but I need to get out there that the subject at hand today is something that people in the church do not want to talk about. Why does the pastor always talk about? Why does it all? We don't. It just feels like it, and it feels like it to the people who actually need to hear it. Now, when you read the sermon today until you get to the or read the text today until you get to the end, it won't sound like this is what it's about. But you need to read it under the context that this is exactly what it's about. And 60% of all of the parables that Jesus taught were about this subject or have this subject in it. Okay? So the overarching theme here is going to be wisdom. But the object which we find our wisdom tested is money. Show me the money. Money, 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 money. Everything in our lives revolves around the, the getting and the sending out of money. I laugh when people say, I, I got a lot of money, or I have money, or I got paid today. Yeah, maybe you did, but no, you didn't. Because you and I both know that you're just a money transfer station. That's all you are. You are an ATM. My paycheck hit on Thursday. American Express had it on Friday. Wasn't my money. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That check hits on Tuesday. Landlord gets it on Wednesday. You ain't got no money. You are a transfer station. That's all you are and that's all you will ever be. The Bible uses the word steward. You steward the money. So the money flows in and then you direct it, all right? Like a garden hose. The money hits the big tank and then it comes down through the pipe and you're pointing at this plant or that plant, this vegetable or that fruit, all right? That's what you do. So the question is, how good are you at money dispersion. That may be the best way I've ever put that. Thank you, Jesus. How wise are you? How trustworthy are you? How <coughs> efficient are you at money dispersion? But hanging over your head is this. Not only are you a disperser of money, the money was never yours anyway. It was never Citibank's. It was never Amex's. It was never your landlord's. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Every cow, every pig, every carrot, every chicken and every egg. Every dollar belongs to the Lord. So now we have added to our statement. How good are you? How wise are you? How efficient are you? How trustworthy are you at the dispersion of God's money? Well, wait, Craig. I, I worked hard for the money. Uh, 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 uh. So hard for the money. Who let you get up so that you could work hard? Who did not strike you down so that you got to the bank? You worked hard for his money. Dunna, dunna. You understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? 
Now, having set the tone for what is about to happen, let me read you a passage of scripture that everything that I read, everything that I read in the first three paragraphs started with this. Now, a lot of preachers don't like this. A lot of preachers have trouble explaining this. A lot of preachers veer away from this. And I was like, this is exciting. I'm looking forward to all that I'm going to learn. Jesus told, we're in Luke 16. <coughs> and my allergies are kicking. And everything's dropping and coming, yeah, coming back and all the things. Jesus said to his disciples. So, Jesus is not speaking to anyone but his followers, okay? So, Jesus is speaking to the ones who are following him, to the ones who have chosen him, to the ones who are seeking him out. We're going to get affirmation of that later, even though there are other people who are going to hear him. And he is offhandedly talking to them too, all right? Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man. Note, if you don't know this or catch this, you need to know this or catch this because I never caught this before. We just got through the story of the prodigal son, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son, or prodigal son. And the prodigal son starts with, there was a wealthy man. Just pointing that out. Prodigal son, there was a rich man, and, and, and this story, right after it, next story, there was a wealthy man who, <clears throat> whose manager, whose steward, was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? What is this I have been told about you? There is a Greek word. What is this response from those around you that he says, what is this diabolos that I have heard? Do you hear the word diabolos? We have an English word, diabolical. What, is the, what are these diabolical things that you have been accused of? Of. What is this scheming that you have wrought under my ownership? Give an account of your management and you will no longer be my manager. In other words, you're fired. But let's figure out how bad this really is. Go get the books that you've been cooking and bring him in here in front of me. The manager said to himself, what am I going to do now? The master is taking my job. I've been fired. I ain't got no income. I ain't strong enough to dig. I'm Ebenezer Scrooge, man. I'm the diabolical tax accountant bookkeeper kind of guy. I can't work in construction. And I am ashamed to beg. Well, at least he's honest about that one. I think the first one, it ain't about strong enough. It's about almost everybody in the world today. You know what he is? Come on. What is he? Lazy. 
He just lays, I don't want to work hard and I don't want to beg. That sounds about right. I think we can look around the room, maybe in the mirror and be like, yep, <laughs> don't, want, don't, want, don't want to beg. I want to be on the food stamps, but I, uh, I don't want to work hard either. I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. When I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. You listening? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to figure out a way to live off everybody else. Does any of this sound familiar at all? I'm going to figure out a way to live off people who have not lost their jobs. <gasps> so he called in each one of his master's debtors. I'm going I'm to I'm kind of modernize this as we go so you'll know what's going on. He isn't, the, the man is filthy rich, the, 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 the owner, filthy rich. We know that he's filthy rich because he had to come to the place where the manager was and go away from the place that the manager was. So he was off site. All of the farms, plantations and things underneath him, he owned from a distance. All right. This guy had been buying, you know, like people from California, buy houses in Nicholasville and, and rent them out. He's 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 and he puts people over all of them. This guy's over his accounts in this region. He says, here's what I'm going to do. And he calls in the first guy. He says, what do you owe the boss? I owe him 900 gallons of olive oil. This is a massive debt. I owe him 100 grand. He says, here's what's going to do. Rip the note up. Rip the note up. Write a new note for 50 grand. And let's sign it. You sign it, I'll sign it. So you just got fired. You just got fired for not taking care of what the owner needs you to take care of. And you run into a brother and cutting his, what he owes the manager in half? I idiot. Anybody think this is a good idea? Anybody? Then he asked the next guy, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat. I owe him $40,000. All right. Take your bill and make it 800. Cut 20% off. You, now you only owe him 32,000. Write it down. I'll sign it. You sign it. What in the world? Anybody, before reading forward, anybody have any idea what's about to happen here? You're not supposed to have the right answer. You're supposed to say, he's going to get fired and killed. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted so shrewdly. He just gave away $70,000 of this guy's money after he got fired by this guy. And when he goes back to this guy, this guy goes, nice. I mean, that really sucked. But well played, sir. That should be what this is. Well played, sir. Now, Jesus is always telling stories we're supposed to learn from. 
So Jesus tells a parable about a dishonest guy who's been making money off everybody, who has hired another dishonest guy who's been stealing from him, who goes out and does two more dishonest things, and we get, woo! Church, let us take our blessings from this particular passage of dishonesty and stealing. I mean, this is seriously where the people in the room go, excuse me. Where's the holiness in this one? How do I get some righteousness out of this? The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. That is not what you want to hear if you are the people of the light. That is not what you want to hear if you are the righteous, if you are the church. Hey, church, people out there in the business world, they may be shady, they may be lying, cheating, stealing. They may be rich. You may not like them, but they that way because they're smarter than you. Anybody feel good about that? That's exactly what it says. That's 100% what it says. Didn't say more righteous than you. Didn't say more holy than you. But it said when they deal with what they deal with, they learn, they study, they pay attention to details, they figure out a way and they invest hard and they go all the way. Danny's right. The guy wasn't thinking, how can I make the manager more money and earn my job back? The guy knew that he lived in a culture where everybody depended on everyone else. I've told you over and over again, the potato guy needs the salt and pepper guy if you're going to have decent french fries. The salsa guy needs the corn guy if you're going to have chips to dip it in. The salsa guy needs the cilantro guy and the pepper guy and the, you know, onion guy. Everybody needs everybody. You do your part and you put it in. So what he did was he used his noggin and he went out and he said, well, if I'm going to be out on the street, I'm going to make sure that while I still have time, I'm going to get somebody indebted to me. And even though they didn't owe him any money, they owed him. He saved them a ton. So when he's out begging on the street, this guy who he saved 50 grand's going to go, I got room. He was smart as a snake. So is that what I'm supposed to be? You need me to go out and lie, cheat, and steal to bring in money for the kingdom? It's not what it says. It's not what it says, but it does say, hey, you guys are sitting around praising, thinking, doing all the things, and, and, and you're seriously uh, uh, been given a brain, and, and you don't use it. And when you do use it, you use it, you are controlled by, you are uh, without understanding of the whole. See, this guy understood the whole. Even though it was the bad side of things, he understood the whole, all right? That's like somebody jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. Idiot. But he got guts. Right? You got to have, let's commend him on something. He was brave, stupid, but brave. And that's what Jesus said here. Hey, he didn't do it right. I didn't say he was holy, but he was smart. He's going to land on his feet in that world. 
That's important. I tell you, use worldly, all right? Another way this is translated is use unrighteous wealth. Use the, the currency of this world to gain friends for yourselves or befriend with the wealth of this world is another way that's translated. So we can look at this two ways. So that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal blessings. So Jesus is now beginning to break down a story that should have no holy application and give us some holy applications. He is saying, first thing you got to do is switch your mindset as a diverter of funds, which happens to be my funds, use worldly wealth for eternal gain. Invest so that those around you might join you in the eternity of the kingdom. Because guess what? You can't take it with you. People will be there. Forgiveness will be there. Righteousness will be there. Holiness will be there. But the world will be gone and the things of it will go away. So invest what is it is that you have, another way to look at it, befriend the almighty dollar. Befriend the almighty dollar so that you may push it, lean it, influence it into things that last an eternity instead of things that die. One of the guys I was reading told a story about undertakers in the past. Undertakers in the past, sometimes people die and, and family members have them. They bring a suit, they bring something. But a lot of times people would die and the undertaker would have to provide suits for those people, okay? So in the old days, they would have tailors make suits of different sizes so that when someone died and came to the funeral home that didn't have anyone, they could put them in a suit, right? Interesting side note about every one of those suits that was ever made. None of them were made with pockets. What were they going to put in them? That's awesome. Dead people don't got nothing. Here is the question. Are you living as a child, as a citizen of this world? Or are you living as a child or a citizen of the next? For my citizenship is in heaven. We are aliens and strangers to this land. So Jesus is saying, be wise, be smart, be frugal with what you have in this world without allowing this world to tell you what to do with it. Do with it things that will bounty eternity because that is the world that you're going for. And when you befriend something, it rarely becomes your boss. Hold on to that. We're getting ready to get somewhere. If you befriend, if you're on the same level with money, it doesn't become a master over you. Use it. Difference in the kingdoms. Are we kingdom of this world or are we kingdom of light? Are we diverting for things for earthly gain or diverting for things for heavenly gain? Whoever can be trusted with little, 
can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. I fired him because he was doing bad things with my money. Why should I have expected anything else than he would take the time he had to do more snaky things with my money? He should have expected it. Those who are trusted with little will be trusted. Well, why doesn't God let me have this? Why can't I win the lottery? Listen to me. If you are living paycheck to paycheck now, you will be living paycheck to paycheck at 100000 You will be living paycheck to paycheck at 250000 because the money changed, but your heart did not. You go and you say, now I have $30,000 more. I can afford a $30,000 car. That makes a whole lot of sense. Guess what? A $30,000 car has a lot more insurance than a $1,000 car. A $30,000 car costs a lot more for an oil change than a $10,000 car. A $30,000 car has a lot more upkeep than a $10,000 car. So now what you needed was $40,000 because you spent $30,000 and you ain't got it, so you're still living what? Paycheck to paycheck. If you're not frugal with little, you won't be frugal with much. And Jesus says, I can give you two. I can give you five. I can give you one. And I can watch what you do with it. And I know what you're going to do with what I have. Remember the parable of the stewards? He gave one man one, one man two, one man five. The man with five came back with 10. The man with two came back with four. Both of them got the same thing in the end. All that I have is yours. The man with one put it away, gave it back, did nothing wrong. But Jesus says, you did everything wrong. I can't trust you to spend wisely. I can't trust you to divert what I gave to you wisely. So throw that man out where there will be the weeping and gnashing teeth. You know what that is? Hell. Gehenna. It's the opposite of building a life for yourself. Here's our problem. We're building a life for a world that's going to end for us. Yes, it's going to go on, but not for you. You're going to die. Welcome to NBC, the church of good news. You're going to die. But your soul doesn't have to. And the question is, what life are you investing in? Does God trust you with his money? How do we know? Open your checkbook. How many things in your checkbook are investing in things of the kingdom versus things of the world? There's your answer. Well, Craig, I didn't want to hear that. The Pharisees who loved money, all of this, they heard this and they were sneering. They, the word is scoff. They scoffed at the teaching. When I teach, you know who scoffs? The people who need it. When, when, I'm, when I'm working with the teenagers and I say something and I can tell three or four of them don't like it, it's probably the three or four of them who are dealing with it. If I start talking about gossip or talking about each other and I see a couple guys or a couple girls be like, they the gossipers. <laughs> I start talking about money and I see faces shut down. They the non-tithers. 
Ain't nobody who gives 10, 15, 20% this morning not sitting out there going, yeah. Everybody else is like, uh, good sermon. Next week, maybe you won't talk about that stuff. Am I wrong? I'm just saying, Bible called you out. Don't get mad at the little preacher. Woo, girl. So if you have not been trustworthy in handing, handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with real riches? Here's the next thing we get wrong. And this goes back to the prosperity preachers. Sow me a seed of $10. Let me mail you a handkerchief. Let me dip it in some oil. And you're going to reap the benefits of $10,000 in the next 20 months. I swear the Lord will bring down his blessings upon you. That part is true, but it might not be money. How many of you would give up $10,000, $100,000 if you knew your bodies could be well? How many of you would give up $10 million if you knew your child would be healthy? How many of you would give up $20 million if you knew the marriage you had would be pure and holy and eternal forever? God will bless you, but it might not be money because there's no money in heaven. Oh, the blessings are coming. They're just not coming maybe in the way you think. Those who are trusted with little can be trusted with much. And those who cannot be trusted, things will be taken from them. When I was at Cox's Creek, uh, it was right after we were here, all right? We had 120, 25, about, about 40 to 50 less people than we have on a regular Sunday here. That was our <coughs> average attendance, right? Rich, myself, um, um, did, a, did a youth service every Wednesday night in a 80% Catholic community, the bourbon capital of the world, right? All right. And in this 120 member church, we had between 80 and 90 students. This is just 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th graders every single week. Now in this Baptist church, they would come down front and they would do this and then go sit down and we'd have a party because that's all they knew. We were baptizing kids right and left. We were having a ball. The problem was... We, 10 of them would leave, 10 more would come, 10 of them would leave, 10 more would come. And they were asking me, well, where's so-and-so, where's so-and-so, where's so-and-so? And I kept up with the kids that I could. You know what the problem is? I can't visit and sit with and have 80 or 90 kids in my apartment living room floor. The ones that I could have were there for the whole two years we were there. The ones that I could not have went in and out. So I went to the parents and I said, I need your help. And they said, what do you mean? So I blew up about 30 balloons. And I asked a lady to come forward and I said, I need you to hold as many balloons as you can. All right, I need you to hold as many as you can. And she got about four. And I was like, that's great. Another guy raised his hand and he was like, I got this. And he came up and he's like, one, two, three, four. And then he couldn't pick up another one. So he got down there and tried to do one with his chin. And I helped him out, put one under his chin and he had five. Right? Now here's the deal. Sometimes you're trained in ministry or sometimes you know the trick. So I picked up some balloons and started pulling on the ends of them and put them between all of my fingers. And I had eight. And then I got down 9, 10, 11, and I had twice as many balloons as anybody else, but I still didn't have anything near 90. I wasn't asking them to help me do 12 each 
but I was telling them that I could teach them to do 10 or 12 each, but I needed them to take care because God had given us as a church these teenagers, and if we didn't take care of them, they were going to be taken away. It's the same with your money. God doesn't care about Nintendo. God doesn't care about Xbox, Microsoft, Google, TikTok, doesn't give a rip. He cares about the kingdom and he cares about you in it. So again, he is saying, are you shrewd? Sounds like a bad word, but it means wise and cunning. Okay? It's opposite is spendthrift or flagrant with. Do you know what that defines? It's actually the definition of the word prodigal. He tells the story of a prodigal who goes out with his father's money and spendthrifts, unfrugally sends it everywhere and ends up in the pigsty. And then he tells a story opposite of anything we think is righteous, but he calls the guy shrewd or wise and cunning. You don't think they're connected? Look back. Look back at the son that didn't come home. The son that, did, the son that came home lost all of his worldly possessions, even in his stupidity. The son that stayed home never came to the party, never had a relationship with the father. Why? Because he said, you have not killed a goat for me. I take care of all the possessions. Why? He was still focused on the material. That's when we get here. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's be clear about something here. Money is not evil. One more time for the people in the back. Money is not evil. All right. In and of itself, money is not evil. Let me explain. I get tickled when somebody comes to me and says, hey, I bought a Christian t-shirt the other day. You did. You did, did you? When did that t-shirt get saved? Who baptized that t-shirt? Oh, we went to a Christian grocery store. It's the only place we shopped. Huh. Somebody saved a grocery store. That grocery store went and asked Jesus into its refrigerated section heart. <laughs> and they sprayed a giant fire hose on it and saved that grocery store. Christian song. Oh, that song up and opened its mouth and opened its heart and let God in. There's no such thing as a Christian song. There's no such thing as a Christian store. There's no such thing as a Christian t-shirt. They don't have souls. They can't be saved. But those who produce T-shirts can produce T-shirts that enhance the kingdom or detract from the kingdom. Those who own grocery stores can produce grocery stores that live out and exemplify the kingdom or don't live out and exemplify the kingdom. They can have holy and righteous business practices or they can have unfrugal, unwise, lying, thieving practices. That is money. So here's the question. Does your money build the kingdom or does it build this world? Does your money control you or do you control your money? Are you running around trying to figure out how to get the next dollar to pay for the next thing? Or are you sitting in the blessings of God, letting him pour them out and dispersing them as he would have you? 
because those people don't worry. You want a testimony? I mean, really? When, when COVID hit, it hurt everybody, right? I mean, I heard everybody. And, and I preach at a Baptist church on a street corner with 200 people. I don't make a ton of money. I make good money. I'm happy with what you guys, it's good, right? All right. But we live a blue, blue collar life. Both of my cars together don't cost $2,500. $2,500, both of my cars, right? Now listen, two years ago, two months before COVID hit, Jamie quit her job and started another job, okay? It was a job that she had to build, right? She was, wasn't going to make very much, and we knew it, all right? But once it built over the course of six months to a year, we would be right where we were before with the potential of being more. Two months after COVID hit, and my friend Mr. Bashir decided that there could be no business solicitations due to COVID. Guess what Jamie did for a living? Solicitated businesses. We lost, we lost, tax return to tax return, $35,000 in our income. Okay, two years in a row. Have you guys seen our clothes change? Have you seen our vehicles change? Have you seen our house change? Have you seen our insurance change? Have you seen our food habits change? Well, you have recently because we started, you know, trying to get rid of that which COVID had gifted us. Why? Because we had more? No. Because we had less? No. You want to know what I believe? It was because there was never a time that we weren't writing a check to Jesus before we wrote anything else. Never a day. Whatever it was. There were days when she was like, that's not enough. That is not arrogant. That is life. We have wanted for nothing. We have had more than we needed. And we believe God is going to give us a return on that investment in ways we don't even understand. We'll tell you something else. There are people in this room right now, right now, who are those return on investments? There are people in this room right now who are way more valuable to me than any tens of thousands of dollars. Hey, money, that's blessing. The love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, the love of money. God is trying to teach us that you won't have to worry about being a servant to your money if money's just a pal. You won't have to worry about being a servant to your money if the money's not yours anyway. You won't have to worry about being a servant to your money if you use your mind, if you use your noggin, if you're shrewd, the opposite of far away, the opposite of spendthrift, if you're cunning with your money, if you're investing in what matters, those fruits will grow. Jesus is not telling us to lie, cheat, and steal. He's telling us to be the opposite of the world. But don't be stupid enough not to realize that where the world is, the world knows what it's doing. The game players out there know how to play the game well. 
Jesus is saying, I wish my people would do the same. Dig in, get in the books, spend the time, go to the, get the theology. They're learning about business. They're learning about seven habits of highly effective people. They're learning about how to be better businessmen, more shrewd businessmen. What if Christians put that kind of investment into the kingdom of God with their hearts and their minds and their gifts and their talents? Where would we be then? This is the verse right before that. If you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, why would they give you property of your own? Yes, God is full of grace, but he's also pretty firm. If you're not investing in the kingdom, what kind of kingdom do you think you're going to see when you get there? Oh, you can't lose your salvation. But I promise you, you will. Here's how I'm going to phrase this. You will see heaven differently. I think that's the safest way to put it. Well, are there levels of heaven? I haven't been there yet. I'll let you know. Does somebody get more crowns or more jewels than me? Because this verse says this, but God loves everybody, blah, blah, blah. Listen, here's how I'm going to put it. Without a doubt the blessings and the honor and the understanding that you have starting today. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. The difference in fuddy-duddy Christians and real Christians is they know that heaven starts now, that you can have blessings now, that you can have fellowship now, that you can walk with the Lord now, that you can see his face in a different way now through the lives of children being baptized, families coming home, wives and husbands staying together, children growing up holy. These are blessings. Spend well, church. Spend well investing in the kingdom, not in Elon Musk, not in Bill Gates, not in whatever his Facebook guy name he is. Invest in what will remain. Check your checkbook. Bring it to Jesus. Don't be a slave. Let's pray. So much there, Jesus. So, so, so much more there to, to be taught, to be helped, to understand, to be, to be compared and contrasted. But God, we just don't, we just don't have that kind of time. So God, what, 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 what you have got to do now is what only you can do. The Holy Spirit's got to begin to move in the hearts of people that can make a massive and drastic difference for the kingdom. Turn our eyes upon heavenly things. Make us value what you value. Help us invest in what, <coughs> what will remain. Teach us to be unprodigal. Teach us to be righteously shrewd. Teach us how you give. And you give abundantly. You give freely. You give eternally. Help us find ourselves in you. In Jesus' name, amen.